2: Welcome to This League Uncut! In the world of 24-hour NBA news, this news, you lose! Chris Haynes, it's go time! Mark Stein, it's show time! boom suck This League Uncut is underway and on fire! This should be a good one.
1: Welcome in, friends, to a solo Essay Steinline edition of this league uncut. I wrote a piece this week on my Substack about Michael Jordan, the one and only Air Jordan, and how he has essentially he's traded the Charlotte Hornets for a spot in the Forbes 400, Forbes listing of the 400 wealthiest people in America, and Michael Jordan. He is the first athlete, active or retired, to crack that list. Impressive. But I decided to adapt the written piece into a podcast soliloquy because I can't stop myself from wondering. I keep asking the question. It's something I've been asking for a few years now, but this is really the time to ask it. What does Michael Jordan think? What does Michael Jordan really think about his NBA ownership legacy. I don't think you'll ever be able to convince me that he's good with it, no matter what the bank balance says. Not after the last dance that we all inhaled in April and May of 2020, the world soaked in every episode, and the last dance, it really did bear to the world what winning truly meant to Michael Jeffrey Jordan it will never compute never compute at least not to me not after watching that that the wildly successful and maniacally competitive Jordan he's never done better as a businessman than he's doing right now but he left an undeniable impression when he owned the Hornets that he was okay with losing Now, because of the Forbes announcement and all the hoopla this week, Jordan has been celebrated anew and again. Serious hat tip, unreserved hat tip. He is forever going to be known as the first professional athlete on that list, active or retired. And it was the sale, the recent sale of the Wobegon Hornets that put Jordan in this rarefied air even for him. Forbes itself valued the franchise. The Hornets, according to Forbes, were worth only $1.7 billion as recently as 2022. This summer, Jordan just sold the team at a valuation of $3 billion, which means Charlotte was sold for the second highest sale price in league history behind Matt Ishbia's purchase of the $4 billion Phoenix Suns. When Forbes published the article this week trumpeting Michael's rise to the Forbes 400, the way they put it, we're talking, quote, nearly 17 times its value compared to when Jordan became principal owner in 2010. When you spell it out this way, on those terms, Michael Jordan won. He won big time, an absolute rout. The franchise, and remember... The franchise was known as the Bobcats when Jordan took over. It only cost him a reported $25 million out of pocket to assume control of the Bobcats at that time. However, the Bobcats turned Hornets in Michael Jordan's 13 full seasons in charge. They had as many nicknames as playoff appearances. Two. And even if we throw in the end of the 2009-10 season, which was right after, you know, Jordan took over the team in March 2010, if we include that year, Charlotte under Jordan, it still never won a playoff series and appeared in just 15 playoff games. Compare that to Mike's personal total, 179 playoff games as a six-ringed Chicago Bull. The Jordan Hornets, for his 13 full seasons, they went 423 and 600. That's 177 games below 500. For a composite winning percentage of four thirteen point four one three, from 2010-11 through last season. And worse yet, the Hornets... They became known in league circles as a team with an apathetic owner that didn't want to spend. Like it or not, that was the reputation. Now, you could argue it's because the Hornets so rarely feature in the broader general NBA conversation. Let's admit it. We don't pay tons of attention to the Hornets, and we didn't even when Jordan was the owner. Or more likely, it's because no one wants to criticize the man that many regard as the NBA's greatest player ever. Whatever the reason, and it's probably more the latter than the former, there just hasn't been much discussion about this topic in recent years. But I'm going to be that annoying guy who brings it up and poses the question, at least rhetorically, Because, to be honest, I don't think MJ is going to sit down with me for an answer anytime soon. That doesn't change the fact, though. So many times when I watched the Hornets in recent years, especially after the last dance, I found myself wondering, where was that MJ in the proverbial owner's suite? Because we never saw it. We just didn't. We never saw that in Charlotte. Theories to explain this, they range from what you would classify as pro Michael, that he quickly got frustrated by how little he could control things on the court compared to how much control he had when he was actually playing. And then there are the more dismissive notions that making this a financial conquest or his golf obsession, that those things are what really have dominated Michael Jordan's competitive spirit in recent years when team-building proved to be so problematic. I, again, would simply relish the opportunity someday to ask him, which I realize is highly unlikely. He was impossible to get near, even at 2019's All-Star Weekend in Charlotte. And remember, as Hornets' owner for that All-Star Weekend, he was essentially billed as the Grand Marshal of that All-Star Weekend. Couldn't get near him. The 2020 All-Star Game in Chicago... And I want to stress to you how synonymous Michael Jordan remains with the Bulls. I just traveled abroad and saw so much Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan stuff. And I think we underestimate that sometimes in the States, just how obviously he's massive here, but just abroad, Michael Jordan continues to be the Chicago Bulls even today. Now, when in the past I've chided Jordan for this low profile he's maintained as part of these public appearances, all I got back was that mere mortals like us will never be able to fully grasp how complicated it is for someone of Michael's global fame to operate in public. And I have to concede, okay, we probably will never fully grasp what that's like. But if you may, please allow me to cling to hope Somehow, some way, there will be a chance to interview him somewhere down the line. I'm gonna cross my fingers, but not not gonna hold my breath. Now, as for MJ, the businessman, he's one of the absolute all-time greats. You do not need me or Forbes to tell you that. Let's be honest. Jordan was a mogul and a brand before we even knew what people were talking about when they said things like my brand. He's earned a reported 2 billion, 2 billion with a B from his four decades association with Nike that continues to flourish today. Obviously Jordan brand is doing huge business. You all I'm sure are aware of the movie air that Jordan's initial contract and signing with Nike in the 80s inspired and look he realistically just eclipsed his career shoe haul with this sale of the Hornets that's how significant the dollar amounts are here and you put all of that on top of what has to be considered an untouchable legacy as a pitch man for Gatorade, Haynes, McDonald's anything else that Michael hawked in collaboration with his longtime agent, David Falk. Yet the business of basketball, it's its own one-of-a-kind beast when we're talking about putting rosters together that are worthy of winning championships. And simply being Michael Jordan wasn't enough for MJ to soar to those heights. By all accounts, he's been a tremendous owner In the NASCAR world, teaming with Denny Hamlin and Bubba Wallace. But man, first of all, we had to process the difficult concept in February that Michael Jordan is now 60. He celebrated his 60th birthday in February. And here we are, six, seven, eight months later, we are now forced to contemplate the idea that Michael might actually be done with the NBA in hands-on terms beyond the minority ownership stake that he still retains in the Hornets. The reality is, like it or not, Nike never did come up with the shoe that could help Air Jordan levitate to the stratosphere of ring-winning boss. And really, he never got anywhere close. And most of all, the big takeaway from my piece and what I'm sharing with you guys here. I'm not sure we're ever going to gain a true understanding of how all that sits with him. All right, everyone. Thanks much for listening. As always, please remember to rate review and subscribe to this league uncut. If you haven't already, I'm going to have an interview Saturday with Timberwolves coach, Chris Finch. That will be on my radio show in Dallas the Saturday Stein line presented by Panini America. That airs on 97. 97-1 The Freak in Dallas. Also an iHeart property. We're going to put that interview on this feed as well. So any interested parties out there, you will be able to get a Timberwolves preview. Get your Anthony Edwards fix from my conversation with Chris Finch. And then the famed Chris, the one and only Chris Haynes and I, We will be back to full strength early next week with our usual two-man game. Greatly appreciated, everyone. Thanks again for tuning in and ramping up with us because, yes, the season is almost here. Days away, real NBA games that count. Two weeks and change. We're getting close. Back with you soon, everybody. Take care. And that'll
2: do it for us. See you next time. This League Uncut is an iHeartRadio production. Boom shakalaka. Chris Haynes! And Mark Stein!